Hey, as they are uh, filing out, thank you, James and Robin. No, don't you guys. No, no, not you. All right, you got a couple? Thanks, man. You gonna pass them all out? All right, there's there's literally one left up here, so I will I will oh, I was gonna pray for it, but here you go. All right, there you go. Thank you. Fantastic. All right. Who is it? Zach, well, there you go. All right, Zach's covered. All right, I love it. All right, well, hey, let's dive in this morning. A couple of things before uh, we get started. Uh, this, we are excited about the, every fall we do a, a church-wide campaign study together. Basically, we come together as a family, and we basically do the same thing as the entire Vintage family. And this uh, September, we're going to launch into uh, a campaign uh, that we believe is vital for the life of Vintage 242 Church. We believe it's vital for your life. We're going to dive into a study called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Here's the book right here by Peter Scazzaro. And before I dive into why we're doing it, what we're going to do, we're going to watch a video real quick that highlights this study. And so if you would, watch the screen real quick to watch this video together. The church is in deep trouble today. It's like we're sitting on top of an iceberg that's melting, but we're reluctant to make changes that are needed. We can be in our 30s, 40s, even 70s and 80s physically and yet be emotionally a teenager. It's a truth about the Christian life that at one point or another, you will hit a wall. By a wall, I'm referring to a season in your life when you will feel stuck. God invites us to be our unique selves before Him. To know who we are, not pretend to be somebody else. See, God wants to communicate to us His true sweetness and love. He, he longs for us that we might know His true peace and rest. But to get there, however, false layers and unhealthy attachments inside of us must be burned away. So let me invite you to consider taking the EHS journey. And we will build a church that will transform not only our generation, but the generations that will follow. All right. So here's what I'm looking. This is what we're, the idea of what we're stepping into um, this fall. So a couple of years ago, you can read the lights back up, thank you. So a couple of years ago, I was uh, talking with someone. We were talking about this nature of vintage and who we're called as people who are on mission. This idea of being a people who are focusing our lives on living for others, right? Living on mission. And this person looked at me who'd been at Vintage for a while and said, see, that's awesome. I love that we're going after missions, specifically focusing on foster care as a primary piece of who we are. She said, but, but I'll be honest with you. I, I look around the lives of people at Vintage and I'm like, I, I, I'm not sure that they're capable of really stepping into some of these pieces because they're so stuck and their own things of life, this level of immaturity that I'm not even sure they can really step into those pieces. And she said it, and I, and I immediately was like, God, there's something true about that. There's something that, that's true that I, I'm around people all the time, just whether it's here at Vintage or outside of Vintage, who I talk to them today, and we're having the same conversations we had one year ago, three years ago, five years ago, that they're stuck in the same kind of trajectory and path that they've been on for, a, for the better part of their entire Christian life. They may have greater knowledge about Jesus. They may have greater may have a knowledge of greater tools about Jesus and may even have a greater knowledge of who he is, but but as it relates to, to who they are, there's something that's literally stunted their growth into the person that God's called them to be. 
The idea to study, it focuses on these five parts of humanity. They say that we're made of intellectual, physical, social, emotional, and also the spiritual part of ourselves and the emotional part, right? And they said this, and the whole idea of the study is this. People can know lots of things about Jesus and have great theology. But if there is this emotional, an emotional immaturity, they will be stunted in their growth. I see people who are stuck in fear. People who are stuck in habits, people who are still hung up on something that happened in their past that still literally colors every conversation that they have today. It colors their inability to connect with people, to connect in leadership. It, it affects their marriages and they find themselves stuck in this place. And, and so as I dove into this personally, reading it for myself, I began to, God began to awaken these things in my own life of breakthrough that he wanted to bring. Part of what you're going to hear in this is, is Peter's story. Peter was a missionary for years and, and came back and moved to Queens, New York, to, to start a multi, very multicultural church. And he was a, this charismatic, like the, theologically, this charismatic pastor. And he's connected to all these guys that those of you in the charismatic realm knew. But he said, I mean, we had our prayer ministry. We had our deliverance ministry. We had all these different ministry, like intercessory prayer ministries and all these things that God was stirring up. There was some Something missing. And my, my wife one day just said, Peter, I'm done. I quit the church. And he said, and I had a wake-up call, <laughs> right? But he said, in this journey of my own life, I began to realize that this place in me and the place that I find is this black eye of the church of America specifically is this lack of emotional health. I don't mean like this touchy feel like inward focused. Oh, look at me all day long. I'm talking about this inward going back into self so that Jesus can heal pieces so that I can then launch into the real life that he has for me. And so this fall, we are going to dive into the study. But here's the thing. It's going to be then be grafted into the very fabric of our being at Vintage with the hopes that every single person who comes to Vintage will end up going through this study somewhere along the way. We're going to do it as a group study, as a whole church. And then we're going to graft it into the very core. So you're going to go from our infusion group and have an opportunity from infusion to go straight into our EHS course. That's just an easy way to say emotionally healthy spirituality, okay? Our EHS, EHS course. And we want all of of us then to go through it. And so we're excited about that. And what we're, what we're asking for now is one, begin looking and preparing for this study. Like, let me just say this real quick. I believe in my time with the Lord over the last couple of years, that this isn't a silver bullet, but have you been in churches where there's lots of immaturity? Like leaders do stupid things all the time and just say stupid things all the time. And if you're honest with yourself and with them, you have to say that they are pretty immature. They may have a lot of knowledge, but they're really immature. Have you been around? He says he's ever been around someone who's like really deep, knows how to pray, but has serious anger issues and they don't know why. That person has this great knowledge and depth with Jesus, knows how to pray and just hear his voice, but just lives depressed all the time. It's like, I don't know about you, but that describes 99% of the Christians that I'm around. And I look at it and go, that's just not God's best. It's just not God's best. And so what we want to do in this fall campaign is we don't think this eight-week course is going to fix everything. We believe the eight-week course is going to make you go, oh, Jesus, I had no idea. That then launches you into a journey into a true emotional health. 
So what are we asking of you at this point? Well, it's real simple. Number one, we want, this is important, we want all of you to be involved. So plan on it. Number two, we're asking you to put forth initiative to form these groups. We're not looking for groups of 20 people in this because we're going through emotional stuff. So we're looking for like groups of three to six who form themselves together. So we're asking is that you would take initiative and say, I'm going to highlight whether a group of people I'm already involved with and make sure that we get in this thing. Or you highlight people who are next to you and say, hey, will you come and do this thing with me? Because the last thing we want to have to do is like take every single person with who takes no initiative in and of themselves and try to like, hey, let's try to put you with this right person. No, some of you know who you should be with. And we want you to put forth initiative. And there's a sign up right now online that you can go say, here are the people who are going to be in my group. And I'm going to be the contact person for Scott so we can get you all the information and ask you how you're doing and all that type of stuff. So we're going to ask you to take initiative. You say, well, Steve, I want to be in a couples group. Fantastic. Get some couples together and then expect during your group that you split up and do guys with guys and gals with gals. I never say gal. That's an awkward word. Women with women, right? And we're going to be doing that during our study, diving in these pieces. Some of you may say, well, hey, Steve, I'm neither new to vintage or, I mean, I don't feel real connected. In fact, I'm really kind of frustrated at vintage because I don't have connection. But we're going to have a Wednesday night study that Scott's going to be leading. It's going to be a larger group. And the idea is in this larger group, you're going to then break out into tables, and we're going to help you get connected in hopes that when you get done with this group, that you have then a a group of people that you can kind of do life with and you're connected to. And so we're asking you now just to begin preparing for that. The great thing about this Wednesday night time, there's a program for your children, a discipleship program your kids can come to and be a part of discipleship here at Vintage. So all we're asking you to do now is just begin preparing, thinking about this study, being honest with yourself about where you are, saying, and here's the deal. For some of you, like, oh, my gosh, emotional stuff. Yes, because you were created with them because God has them. And he's awesome with his emotions, and he wants you to be awesome. So get over yourself and your fear of diving into self, and let's do it together so we can be the real people that God's called us to be. Does that make sense? Does everybody understand the initiative piece? Right now, you're thinking for like the next 30 seconds before I start talking, right? Thinking, who can be in my group and who's God connecting me to? And don't allow your spirit of rejection say, no one wants to be in my group. I'm just going to be all by myself. I guess I'll do the study all by myself. That's not Jesus. Okay, so don't, die, don't, don't give yourself into that and uh, start signing. If you have questions, Scott loves to talk to you about it. Um, in the next couple of weeks, we'll have sign-ups for those who want to be in that larger group. But we're asking that you would plug in and be a part of this. All right? Is everybody cool with that? Are you cool with that? Yeah. All right, let's dive in this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, starting in verse 26. Grab your Bibles. You can turn there. I'm reading from the ESV, English Standard Version. It'll be a little bit different than the NIV, New American Standard, NRSV, the whatever version you have. And we're going to kind of dive into a little bit this morning, but look at some specific pieces of this that I want you to see. We've been in a study of 1 Corinthians uh, for the last, really for the last... Oh, golly, for quite a long time now, four or five months. And so we're nearing the end of it. We've looked deeply at the spiritual gifts over the last uh, several weeks. 
and looking at those, what Paul means by those, their place in the body of Christ. We've listened, we've demystified them. If you were like, the gift of prophecy, the gift of tongues, oh my gosh, just go listen to the message from a few weeks ago, kind of breaks it down, demystifies it, makes it much less weird and what the roles of the gifts are in the body of Christ. And so this week, Paul's going to kind of dive into, all right, he's going to dive into, let's talk about how we use these in a really active and, excuse me, in a really uh, helpful way. First Corinthians 14, verse 26 says, what then brothers, I'll add sisters, when you come together, each one of us has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue or an interpretation. Let's just press pause. This is something really important to know. When I get around a lot of people, and I get around a lot of people who, who love this, like, oh, my gosh, yes, and, and our services, let's get all this stirring. I look and go, do you realize there were 20 people in the church at Corinth when Paul was writing this? Like it was a small group. He wasn't talking to a group of 250 people or 1,000 people, right? He was speaking to like 20 or 30 people. So this is in the context of a small group. It's really important to kind of put this in the context, not picturing vintage exactly, but seeing what he was speaking to in the moment, okay? So he's speaking to this group of 20 people. He says, listen, when you come together, each of you has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, an interpretation. So let all things be done for building up or all things for the building up of the church church. If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two or three at most who do it and each in turn and let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, then don't talk. Let each of them keep silent in church and speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent for you can all prophesy one by one so that all may be learned and be encouraged. And this because the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not a God of confusion, but a God of peace. So in all this letter, right, Paul is coming. He's putting some boundaries because they lived with a really bad view of the gifts and honestly abusing them again and again and again and again because they're primarily focusing on self. They're basically expressing the gifts to create a level of spiritual superiority, Have you ever known someone who does something so that you'll recognize them as being superior to you? Right? Like you tell a story and they just one up your story. Well, Jesus just will say what Jesus did in my life, right? This whole spiritual superiority type thing going on. And so Paul, man, he's coming and saying, man, this frustrates me to no end. The gifts are present. You understand them and you're moving in them, but you're abusing them by abusing people in the context of it. And he said that the resounding gong and a clanging cymbal, they're completely useless in your midst, is what he's saying. And then he comes in, in the last sentence of verse 26, he basically sums up the last two and a half chapters. 12, 13, and 40. Yeah, the last two and a half chapters. He brings us to the center of the purpose of the gifts and says... Let all things be done for building up or for the building up of the church. Like, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I read the Bible, I recognize, because I'm a good Christian, that every single word in the Bible is ultra important, right? Like, I understand anybody the Greek sometimes and see what the real meaning of it is in the Greek syntax and all the meanings and the hermeneutics and all this kind of stuff, right? You're like, blah, 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 right? You just hear, wah, wah, wah. But the Bible is all of it is of utmost importance. 
But have you ever been reading sometimes and knowing all of it's important and you read something and it jumps out to you as if like this, at least in this moment and season of my life, is of more importance because God's speaking to me through it? Have you ever had that happen? Please raise your hands. I'm the only one in the world. Thank you. Okay. And so you have this dynamic going on. So I'm reading this and I'm like, I'm reading about all the kind of practicals of it, which are really important. And I see this and I go, this is the heartbeat of Paul for honestly, not just the gifts, but for his entire spiritual life. Let all things be done for building up, the building up of the church. He basically is speaking about putting on a new lens, which defines my entire spiritual walk and understanding of every gathering that I have with other believers, whether it's with three people sitting in a row, a whole section of people, a whole half section of the entire body together, that my Listen, my lens is focused on other people for their building up and not for myself and in being heard. And I read this and I said, Paul is making a very clear statement to all of them that we can't deny that's powerful and has ultimate impact that it's important to see the specifics and the practicals of the gifts but it's most important to see the heartbeat of jesus through paul's words where i would say with great compassion because he loves the corinthian church he calls them his children he says oh you should be mature But you are not. In fact, if you were to define and create a picture, a test case of emotionally unhealthy spirituality, go read the church at Corinth. They are so focused on self that they can't even really see Jesus and the need to bless others as a life calling. And so this morning, in the midst of all the things we're going to talk about, this has become our foundation. Whenever we speak about the gifts of the Holy Spirit at Vintage, this has to be the foundation. I am more intent on the building up of other people than making sure I get to express my gift. That everything that I'm doing is so wholeheartedly focused on the blessing of others, their building up, the the strengthening of the building up of the church. This has to be this piece. So as we dive into maybe some of the specifics this morning that we see in these verses, recognize we're not moving on from this. It literally colors everything. And that everything he's saying is for the purpose of making sure that it's building others up. In fact, I think it's important to recognize, and everybody needs to hear this. I've been to a lot of churches that I would never invite my not-yet-Christian neighbors to because they're weird. Like, unhealthy, like, unhealthy, weird. Like, have you ever been someplace, you're like, oh my gosh, I hope that doesn't happen this morning at our church. Because sometimes it happens, if that happens, my people will never come back. It's going to turn them off to Jesus. 
It's exactly the sentiment of what Paul is getting at here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, and 14. He's saying not just for the building up of my other Christian brothers, but building up of the church with people who are not part of it and who God wants to graft into the vine. And so let's dive in this morning. So we see these things. We're just actually going to kind of go verse by verse. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on each of them. So let's go back verse by verse, John, if you don't mind. So when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. We've talked about these different pieces, right? A hymn, a song, a, a lesson, or a teaching, something that God is speaking, right? A gift of teaching, a revelation, kind of a prophetic word, something that God is speaking in the moment, or a gift of tongue that requires an interpretation, right? So we speak, and in verse 27, it says, If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two or three at most who do that, and each in turn... And someone must interpret, verse 28, and if there's no one there to interpret, then that person needs to be silent, right? So the idea so the idea for us at Vintage then would be, in the context of our larger group, it would be really awkward for someone to stand up and worship to all of a sudden begin speaking. The idea of, of all of these pieces is that if you have something that God wants to speak, then you find Scott or I at this point. We're going to add leadership team to this. We haven't talked to him yet, but we're going to add, start with Scott and I. You're going to come forward and say, hey, I believe God has this word that he wants to speak, right? That's what he's saying here. We'll always need to make sure we know what's going on here. Someone to interpret. Each, each one keep in silent. There's not someone to interpret. Verse 29, let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is said. This is a really important piece about the prophetic today in our day and age. I literally, I, I read this exact sentiment from all different streams of theology. Tim Keller, our good uh, Calvinist brother, right, who, and, who's over here in, in New York. And I've got over here Wayne Grudem over here. I've got my, my Wesleyan guys over here and my charismatic brothers and sisters and all these guys over here who all say very similar things with the prophetic. There's something very different from big P prophet and little P prophet. Big P prophet is this idea of someone who literally speaks as the word of God, as if thus saith the Lord. And the idea, and hear this for some of you, it's really hard to find that in the New Testament. Because the idea, the sentiment in the New Testament, now there are people who are now filled with the Holy Spirit in relationship with Jesus, who in relationship, because they're in relationship, will hear Jesus speaking to them. If you are a Christian today, it means you've heard the voice of Jesus because he was wooing you to himself to give your life to him. You are hearing the voice of Jesus. Have you ever said, well, I was praying. I just felt like God said whatever. And we all say that. We felt like, man, I just felt like God was calling us to move over here. Well, because you're hearing God's voice. The idea is that we're all kind of listening, hearing God's voice. And here's the part of it. And we're all imperfect in that. None of us completely always get hearing God's voice right. We all miss him. And so the beauty of it is Paul's going to teach and say, listen, because in your frailty and your humanness, you're going to miss him sometimes. You're going to place people around you in community that you can share this word with together, right? So that they can weigh it as loving companions coming alongside of you and help give you direction. Listen, I've sat with people, and I'll never forget. I've told this story before. i got to say it again. Never forget sitting in Young Harris College, group of people, small group. And my buddy Shane looks over at Liz and says, God's telling me, Liz, that I'm going to marry you, right? And she looks at me and goes, oh, 
not like literally like that. And I went, "Mm -mm." (laughs) right. That's not Jesus. Right. And they're not married. Right. So I was right. He was wrong. But the idea is we miss it. And so what I want you to hear me say in the context of this is that like last week, Amy, right. Amy, just raise your hand real quick. So stand up just real quick. Right. So Amy, she's like, uh, Amy's very normal. Right. Joe, is she normal? Okay. She's pretty normal. Okay. That's That's her husband. So she came, let me tell you what this looks like. So she came forward last week. I'm sitting in this chair and she just comes up, Hey, Steve. I'm like, Hey, I said, she's like, Hey, I'm just in worship. And I'm I'm just, I sense God speaking this word. And and I shared it last week with the context of fear and of, and of belief and of trusting who God is. And sometimes we have to just begin to just launch out in faith to trust and to believe. Right. And, and she said, and I was like, Oh God, this is so good. This like, I, 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 I had this part I was sharing over here talking last week about our police officers and black lives matter and what's going on. Right. And this kind of this fear kind of this pervading our entire culture. And she gives this piece over here about kind of how it applies to our personal lives and our spiritual lives. And all of a sudden, and God just through her word of being obedient coming up. She all of a sudden I took this entire picture and we got what God was trying to speak in the moment. Like if we go to church and think only the pastor has the word of God, it has the only thing that God wants to speak. Then we put a lot of pressure on guys like me that God never intended. He says, you see in part, you know, in part, that's why we come and begin to speak and share these things. And so in that, right, she came forward. I know others have come forward and shared different things in time. And, and here's the great thing about it. We see this like, listen, let two or three prophets speak. Let the others weigh what is said. So in a group of 15 people, that makes complete sense. In a group of 250 people, sometimes that can be a little sketchy. And so we share. And then we have this, we have this, this place of coming and saying, hey, as leaders, this is what's going to happen. Either we're going to give you the microphone to share because we know you and trust you. Or we're going to take that word because you feel like it fits what we're trying to speak in the moment. And we'll share that, right? Because we're, that's leaders. That's our role at Vintage. Or we may say, hey, that's great. That's not for this morning. And we're going to pray into that and see what God wants to do with that. And then maybe next week or just in an email or just as in prayer, we will consider that. Why are we doing that? Because here's the deal. I don't think I don't think any of you would be kosher with someone just kind of stepping into your house and telling your family what to do. That'd be kind of weird if you don't know them that well or not really connected, not really what's going on, what's going on in their lives. Right. And so same thing at Vintage is our family. We want to kind of bring them to the leadership. Let we'll take that process through it. And then we want you to trust us to lead as we feel the Lord leading us. Which basically means this, if you're one of those people who comes forward and you don't get the microphone and your word doesn't get shared and you get angry, well, it probably wasn't from the Lord. Because if you can't come in humility, then you probably weren't hearing from God in the first place. I can say that, right? Because we're close enough family, y'all trust me. Because I've just been in places like that happens. You're like, I can't believe I get to share. I'm like, oh, dude, you shouldn't have shared. Look at your pride. Oh, my gosh. Totally Corinthians. I had this EHS course just for you to go through, right? <laughs> So that's what we're looking at. We want God to move. We want God to speak. We want that to be in bounds. We want it to be healthy. We want to, listen, we want to protect you. That's why Paul does this. He's like, he would say to them because he knows them. I would never say this to you. He goes, listen, you God blessing idiots. 
you have the gifts. And you're abusing them. The people who need them, you're abusing them. And I'm going to set some healthy boundaries for your specific context so that we can protect those who are outside the body. Remember, he said, if someone comes and we all start speaking in tongues and someone comes into the body, they will leave. It will push them away from Jesus and think that Jesus and Christians are crazy. That's what it says in First Corinthians. And so he's saying we want to set some boundaries here. Because you can all prophesy one by one, verse 31, so that all may learn and be encouraged. And the spirit of the prophets are subject to prophets. What does that even mean? Well, it basically says this, that Jesus can't just make you say something. You have control, actually, of when you speak and when you don't. He's saying, so if it's not the right time, then you can just quiet yourself and quiet this word. And you can wait, and then you can just email Scott or Steve when you get home. And Jesus isn't freaking out that you're having to do that. He's completely fine. If God wants to share a word, he'll share it. And it'll, and it'll land when we share it. This is how he works. He's Lord. It's great how that works. And so in this piece, again, God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. The thing that I want us to recognize is we know that when God's spirit moves, like crazy things happen sometimes. Can I get an amen? It happens, right? People all of a sudden just start weeping because God has just overwhelmed them. I mean, listen, I've been places where God, listen, don't freak out when God's spirit lands and people manifest a demon because Jesus loves them enough to set them free. So do you know what we do with those people? In love, we draw them, pull them out, put them in, a, in our office, and we just begin to love on them and set them free because Jesus loves freedom. When God's spirit moves, some people just, they just begin to worship. But the idea is that in our life, it's the question we ask is, but is it for the building up of the body? And so we even talked about in our lives, if someone starts, quote unquote, being really demonstrative, how are you going to handle that, Steve? I'm going to say, hey, we want people to focus on Jesus and not you. So do you mind if we just kind of pull you back here? Because you don't have to sit right here in this. This is like the Holy Spirit portal. Man, the Holy Spirit portal just goes wherever you go because he's with you. And we can put you back here in a couch by yourself so that people can focus on Jesus, not you. I'm not a big fan of the, the three-ring circus inside a church. Focus on Jesus. Focus on Jesus. The idea is this. We want people to be built up and edified in the church. We want there to be boundaries. And we're saying simply with the gifts of the Spirit, if God is moving, so let's take all this and sum it up. If God is moving and there's something you feel like God has for the body through you here on a Sunday morning, just come talk to Scott and I. We want God's Spirit to move. We want Him to speak. Just let us know. And then we're going to shepherd people, shepherd the body through that. And we just ask you just to follow our leadership in that. It's real simple, okay? And then when you get into your small groups... Y'all get to know one another, then do the same thing, same protocol, but it's a little bit different because now you're the size of Corinth and you can begin to share those pieces. Okay. Now, with that in mind, <clears throat> with that in mind, we now want to bring it back to this personal application, personal application. This is kind of where we're going to end this morning. When I read this phrase over here in, in the end of verse 26, which says, let all things be done for building up. 
it honestly convicted me because I went, Jesus, I would like to say that everything I've done this week and the body or just in the context of life has been for the purpose of building up. Like I would like to say everything that I've done in the context of my family has built up. That everything that I have done in the context of work has been for building up. That everything that I've done in the context of all of my relationships has been for the purpose of building up. That God, I could stand before you confidently saying, God, my motives, even though I may have messed up along the way, but my motives were pure and ultimately for building up. I felt like this was this bigger word just out, not just for Sunday morning gatherings, but for the context of our daily life. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to end by having a prayer, an individual prayer time together as a corporate body before Jesus. And so, John, would you bring these lights down? People can kind of focus. So I want to ask you if you're touching somebody, uh, whether appropriately, definitely inappropriately, pull, just pull your hands back this morning. Kind of focus on Jesus this morning. So everybody just take a deep breath this morning. Again, this The idea of kind of centering on Jesus, right? Think about your personal time with the Lord and what that looks like, how you want to quiet yourself. I used to talk to my dad. He said, man, Stephen, I'm in the season of boat sails. It takes me one hour just to quiet my mind from everything so I can really focus on Jesus. And so we don't have an hour this morning, but we're going to ask for grace. Just right now, just to focus on Jesus. We want to hear him this morning. The picture I've had this week is kind of like my thoughts melting, kind of like the the hills melt like wax before Jesus, like the hills in my own mind is kind of melting before Jesus. And so take just 15, 20 seconds just to do your best to focus on Jesus this morning. Now, I want you to allow that sentence, let all things be done for building up. I want you just to put that before you, kind of as a focus, like Jesus, like as if you and Jesus are, are standing side by side. He's going to have his arm around you because he loves you. His arm's going to be around you, and, you're going to, and we're going to together say, all right, Jesus, let's look at this phrase together, let all things be done for building up. Kind of look at it. And now we're going to ask him just to kind of walk us through how we're doing with these pieces. So the first, we're going to focus on three things. First thing this morning is primary relationships. I want you to allow Jesus <clears throat> to speak to you this morning about your, your primary relationship, your relationship with your spouse, your children, parents, your friends, your neighbors, and your co-workers. And I want you to to allow God to search you. Scripture says to search you and to know you. And it's asking God, how am I doing in my relationship with my spouse? That everything I've done this week is for her or his building up. I haven't sought my own glory. I haven't 
focused only on self. I haven't just said things for because I want because I want something, but for their sake, for my children. Just take again 15, 20 seconds, 30 seconds. Just allow God to begin to search you. Everything that you've done this week has been for building up of these people. As the Lord begins to put his finger on things for you, whether it's a specific instant you think about or just an overarching just personality or emotion that's been defining your week. If God put his finger on something with these primary relationships, I would encourage you to go and apologize. Ask for forgiveness. Second piece, I want you to look at work this week or where you've put forth your energy has everything been done for the building up of others where your actions this week at work was it to seek your own promotion and growth was it to seek out the promotion and growth of your co-workers also For those of you who are stay-at-home mom or dads, has everything that you've been you've done? When your spouse gets home, do you live every week, every day, trying to make them feel guilty because your day was harder than theirs, and you try to compare yourself rather than just receive them home? Say, how are you doing? And focusing on the other. We ask Jesus that you reveal where we are. Regarding this one, depending on what level of relationship with, whether you need to ask forgiveness or go before the Lord and ask them to change your heart. You do as the Lord leads. And the third one is in ministry, which should define all of our lives, no matter where we are in life, whether we're doing ministry in a vocational sense or we're doing ministry as this call of our life and all that we're doing. They are equal in the eyes of God. It's really important to recognize there's no professional ministers in the eyes of Jesus. We're all ministers of the gospel, just in different contexts. And so in your ministry, as you do ministry, allow God to put his fingers. Everything that you're doing for the building up of others, or is it to promote self? Do you want to be seen as being holy, or do you want to live your life making others holy? When you pray for people, do you want them to recognize that you did it so they can think that you're great or do you simply want them to focus on Jesus and if you don't receive any accolades you're completely fine with that as long as they focus on Jesus 
Are you focused more on them being aware that breakthrough came through you? Are you just more aware and thankful that breakthrough came? Do you feel like you have to name yourself in any of your ministry stories, or do you feel like you can just make much of Jesus and focus on him? Allow God to speak into you. invite our ministry teams to come forward and invite our worship team to come. We're going to end our time this morning, honestly, with an extension of what we've been doing. It's this, and David says, search me and know me, God. Search my inmost thoughts. And David's speaking about this relationship where we're saying, God, I don't want any obstacles, no barriers. No areas of immaturity in my life, Jesus. I want you to search me, to know me, to pull these out. In the context of Paul's words, he's speaking directly to the church. He says, I want you to, be, I want you to grow. I want you to be deep. I want you to, to be solid. I want you to be selfless. I want you to be like Christ. as a living sacrifice, not focused on self, not promoting self, not spiritual elitism, not living in a place of brokenness where even in my own brokenness, all I can do is focus on my fear, focus on my past, focus on my worries, focus on my anger. I'm not, nothing from my past defines me because I'm defined by my living relationship with Jesus today and service to him and to others who are in need, loving him with all of my heart, soul, and mind, and loving my neighbor. What we want God to do this morning is this work of, of awareness, a work of awakening, this work where, we, where Jesus is saying, yes, it is 100% time for you to take your steps and forward. And so this morning, if God's put his finger on things, he's showing things, then Invite him to continue speaking into those. We have ministry teams available. If you need prayer for healing, for restoration, or just help to begin diving into some of these things he's putting his finger on, then allow him to do that this morning and come forward. I just want to pray for you. It's broken people who have been redeemed by God praying for broken people who are redeemed by God. I'm going to invite you to come and We'll pray for you today. Communion's available right here every week for us. On your left side. And the idea is real simple. Jesus, we celebrate your cross. We celebrate your death. We celebrate your blood poured out and your body broken to redeem us, to set us free, to take chains off so it not be bound ever again. And then it's a reminder that I now, through the power of Jesus and the grace of God in partnering with Jesus, I can take chains off with Jesus of others who are bound. And so we want to celebrate that this morning. If you're new to Vintage, these are our offering baskets here. And you can either give here. There's a giving kiosk outside or a 
app on your phone that you can give through. You just give as the Lord leads this morning. We want to respond this morning. We're officially, this is the official end of our service. And so if you need to go, God bless you. Have a great week. I invite you to stay as long as the Lord leads. We'll be here in worship until the last person's done. Allowing God to move in us. You guys have a great week. Initiate and begin connecting with people for these small groups, okay? We love you guys.